Xbox On. Hello and welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest news in Xbox for the week of August 8th, 2019, including... Famed Twitch streamer Ninja joins Microsoft's Mixer platform. Halo franchise development director promises that Halo Infinite on Xbox One won't be treated like a, quote, second-class citizen. Microsoft has teamed up with Sony and Nintendo to work on new policies for games containing loot boxes, and much more coming up right now. story so i got just about to the end of this week's podcast recording uh and then uh my computer my computer crashed and deleted the whole thing so uh we're gonna start this over again so uh let's just jump right into this week's news i don't have any housekeeping or anything like that uh we'll give this a try to and see how it goes all right so for the second time our first story of the week comes from windows central Uh, And it is that uh, Ninja joins Mixer exclusively, proving Microsoft as a serious competitor uh, in the streaming realm. So Richard Tyler Belvis, also known as Ninja, has left the ubiquitous streaming platform Twitch to join Mixer, Microsoft's impressive but significantly less popular uh, competitor service. For an undisclosed amount of money, Ninja will now be streaming exclusively on Mixer going forward. A great get for Microsoft. For those uninitiated, uh, Mixer is kind of baked into the uh, Xbox OS and experience, as Microsoft has really been trying to invest in the platform in recent years. The news sent something of a shock through the streaming community, and since since the Switch, Ninja has amassed over a million subscribers on Mixer, making him easily the most popular streamer to ever utilize the platform. Now, this is a pretty good one. Um, It actually broke, like, right after last week's episode went live, so it may seem like a little bit like old news at this point, but, you know, this one has been popping up everywhere. I'm not a massive um, streaming service user, although I do like to pop onto Twitch and, and, and Mixer every now and again just to kind of familiarize myself to what's happening over in that in that sphere but yeah i mean this has been everywhere microsoft paid ninja an undisclosed amount people are guesstimating like millions and millions of dollars to jump over to mixer and i say good for him you know if you can get that money why not go for it um the two platforms are extremely similar in that what they offer for the creator or are um not that different and in my opinion as uh, you take this with a grain of salt as kind of something of an xbox fan but mixer i think is a better platform than twitch um i, I do like twitch but i think mixer offers way more functionality and features in terms of kind of like a meta game for not only the the actual streamers but the audience you know there's a lot more than just chatting and post- posting gifs and emojis like there's a lot of like this meta game of like leveling up and unlocking sparks and kind of redeeming your points to use different kinds of stickers and gifts and i just think it makes the the stream a lot more interesting and uh kind of gives the viewers a lot more of an interactive experience as opposed to just a standard kind of passive experience um so i think that mixer is a really solid platform and i think twitch really needs a decent competitor because otherwise twitch would just get stale uh and dominate forever and i like to see that you know mixers bringing something new to the streaming sphere uh kind of mixing things up a little bit no pun intended uh and it's obviously you know a huge win for microsoft and mixer that now they have um ninja because i mean mixer has been growing just a little bit over the years i've seen it kind of go from like no one ever talking about it to like hearing about it every now and then um but it's definitely never even got close to really 
biting into uh, Twitch's Twitch's audience. So I think this is really going to make a big dent, and you're going to see a lot of people start to kind of jump ship from Twitch to Mixer as the service continues to grow and as people continue to see what Mixer has to offer, and that it's actually a pretty viable competitor because, I mean, it offers quite a lot to uh, to make people want to be on that platform as opposed to Twitch. Not only that, but just being you know a smaller, lesser-known uh, platform, as it kind of starts to grow, I think that'll be attractive for a lot of people who are looking to get big into streaming, but uh, are a little daunt- or a little uh, off-put by by Twitch's you know kind of top tier, the one percent, if you will, because there there are a handful of people who really dominate on Twitch, and then there are thousands and thousands of people who have little to no following, just trying to get noticed. So. Um, I think Mixer is going to be a great way to get some of those people uh, more of a fair kind of start, head start, if you will. Um, so, I mean, this is just an all-around win-win. I popped into one of Ninja's streams earlier in the week just to kind of see how people were handling it and talking about the situation. Um, and, you know, it, the chat was like almost entirely just people, you know, trolling, saying things like, how much did you get paid? But um, it was also a lot of people saying, wow, dude, Mixer's a really great service. I'm like, I'm really into this platform. I've never checked it out. Uh, Not only that, but I think Mixer on iOS jumped up to like top five most downloaded free apps of the week, almost overnight. And since then, you know, I mean, it's just, I've been hearing Mixer a lot more lately and it's just, it's really great all around for everyone. So great for Ninja, you know, to get that money and to have this new platform. Uh, great for the audience that now they're kind of discovering Mixer and great for Mixer that now uh, that service can grow and kind of offer Twitch some competition. Uh, and then one last note, just hopefully for Ninja, this is, offers him more of a uh, kind of opportunity to do his own thing. I know he uh, was in the news not too long ago for kind of like saying that Twitch kind of holds him to a really tight schedule and that if he ever wants to take a day off, he can lose thousands of s- subscribers overnight just by taking a night off of, of streaming and I'm hoping that, you know, being on Mixer offers him a little more flexibility to kind of do his own things and set his own rules and his own schedule a little bit. And um, I'm excited to see kind of how Mixer becoming a bigger player in the streaming sphere kind of uh, shakes up our notion of of what streamers are and what they do and kind of how the how the rules work, because as glamorous as that job may seem to many people, uh, streaming is not an easy job. And once you really get off the ground, I mean, those people seem somewhat miserable at times just kind of being held at gunpoint to like this this job where <laughs> you just have to play this specific game all the time and it, you compromise like all the best hours of the day trying to entertain and it's not easy to entertain and have thoughtful conversation while really focusing on a game and, and showing um, immense skills so I'm really hoping for Ninja this turns out to be a great move happy for him I mean he had an opportunity to make a lot more money and he did so that's that's an awesome win for him and Happy for his audience as they seem to be pretty okay with just jumping over to Mixer to continue to follow and support Ninja. And then again, for Mixer and all the people who really like this platform, this is just great for everyone. We're all going to see this platform grow and and continue to um, have an awesome experience and growth on Mixer. Also, as a side note, you know Microsoft has a history of doubling down, investing very heavily on their products and services. And then after a year or two, if they don't see that return on investment almost instantly, they kill it. That's a little bit of an older Microsoft thing to do, but as someone who has seen, you know, Zune and Groove and Windows Phone and all these things I love from Microsoft just die and die and die, 
Um, I'm really happy to see that Mixer uh, is showing, starting to show something of a promising future because I like Mixer and I don't want to see it go the way of all my other favorite Xbox or Microsoft products and services. So let's get on to our next story. All right. Also, keeping with Windows Central, we've got a little more information on the uh, Showtime Halo show coming out in a couple of years. So Showtime's upcoming live action Halo TV series just cast Natasha McElhone. I don't know how to say that as Dr. Catherine Halsey and Cortana. Uh, Natasha is best known for her roles in 1998's Ronin, 98's The Truman Show, and uh, movie Solaris. Uh, she was she will play alongside Pablo Schreiber as John 117 slash Petty Officer Master Chief, who was cast back in April. The show is slated to debut sometime in 2021, meaning that by the time we actually get this Halo TV series, it'll have nearly been a decade uh, since it was first initially announced. The show, through its various incarnations, has experienced something of a development hell, but over the past year it has seemingly really picked up in terms of production. I think this Showtime show is actually going to come to fruition. It seems like we're getting the most like concrete details and evidence that it's coming compared to any other promise of a halo tv show or movie we've seen in the past so i'm really hoping that this is it that we're actually getting this but again you know the the news also goes on to contain that showtime is planning on introducing new characters to the halo universe in this show but keeping in mind that this halo tv show is kind of its own canon its own separate universe it's unrelated to the novels and games that make up the main halo storyline so i'm i'm quite supportive of them them of them taking liberty the uh, with the original Halo story to kind of better suit the TV format. Um, like I've said in the past, I think not a good idea when you're making a video game, movie, or TV show to kind of try to shoehorn gamey mechanics and ideas into a movie uh, as means of fan service. I think it just ends up making the game look really, the movie or TV show look really bad, which we've seen time and time again. So if you are to make a Halo TV show successful, I think you need to be willing to change up some things that might work well in a game or a book but maybe don't translate so well to the passive experience of TV watching. So excited to hear more about the show. Excited to see that we're actually going to get a Halo TV show. Although I don't have too much expectation or hope that it will be any good, uh, but you never know. So well, here's hoping in 2021, nearly a decade after it was announced that this Halo show turns out to be something worthwhile. All right, moving on quickly to our next story. Last week, images of a limited edition Gears 5 controller surfaced. And this week we have some confirmation that that controller was real. But perhaps more interesting is the limited edition Gears 5 Xbox One X that is also on the way. From the Xbox Wire, featuring the Omen submerged in ice and snow, the Xbox One X Gears 5 Limited Edition bundle is available now for pre-order at participating um, retailers for $499. The Xbox One X Gears 5 Limited Edition console features a never-before-seen dark translucent casing and laser-etched cracks uh, across the console's icy top surface, with snow drifting across the golden locust symbol on the back. The bundle features a limited edition Xbox One X, the Xbox Wireless Controller Gears 5 Kate Diaz Limited Edition. That's a mouthful. Uh, basically, the controller we saw last week and an Xbox with a similar Xbox One X with a similar design on it. Bundle also includes a full download for Gears 5 Ultimate Edition, Gears of War Ultimate Edition, the first game, Gears of War 2, 3, and 4, as well as a one-month membership of Game Pass and Xbox Live along with an in-game Ice Kate and Ice Jack character skin. Also available is the Xbox One S Gears 5 bundle. Uh, so for $300, you get just your standard Xbox One S. It has a one terabyte hard drive, and it comes with all five Gears of War games that were just previously uh, listed. However, with this, you're just getting, you know, it's just a standard Xbox One S, so no 
fun design or limited edition console, but still pretty decent value for 300 bucks. For fans looking to add another limited edition Xbox wireless controller to their collection, search no further. Available for purchase separately is the Xbox wireless controller Gears 5 Hate Diaz limited edition controller. That is the one that was leaked last um, last week that comes with the Xbox One X limited edition box. So you can get it separately or with the console uh, separately. It will run you $75. So all of this expected to uh, either pre-orders are up now or will be in the next few days. And all this is coming out in the next couple of weeks. So additionally, if you go to Xbox Wire, you'll see there's also a controller stand and some other third-party accessories like some Razer keyboard and mouse stuff with Gears 5 skins on it. So lots of Gears 5 accessories. If you're interested in that kind of thing, uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, just want to put this out there. It's not great, noteworthy news, but if you're interested in getting in on this before it's gone, thought I'd share that with you. So now you know. All right, our next story uh, comes from a website called WDW News Today. The reason I'm pulling from this site is because I wrote this article and wanted to do a little bit of self-plugging. So anyway, let's just get right into it. So DuckTales Remastered is being pulled from digital storefronts this week. Actually, it's today. So on August 8th, the game will disappear from digital stores on platforms like the PlayStation Store, Microsoft Store, Steam, and Nintendo eShop. Those that have already downloaded the game on their video game consoles will still be able to play them, but consumers will no longer be able to purchase and download these titles going forward. DuckTales Remastered was developed by WayForward and published by Capcom back in 2013. While Capcom has not provided an explanation for the removal of the game, it is fairly likely is fairly likely that this occurrence has to do with a license agreement expiration between Disney and Capcom. DuckTales has experienced a resurgence in popularity in recent years, so it's not unlikely that Disney is going to charge a premium to renew the license and keep the game up on digital storefronts. The game will be pulled later today on August 8th on the Xbox 360 and Xbox One via backwards compatibility, PlayStation 3, Wii U, and Steam itself. Uh, if you still haven't downloaded the game yet, Capcom has reduced the price of the game by 75% as kind of a farewell favor for the uh, fans that are going to lose this, uh, which I think is really nice. It's about 3 to $4. I downloaded it for like $3.74, I think, on Xbox today. Um, so if you're not listening to this podcast by the time it goes up immediately, you're probably going to miss out on this, but I just thought I'd throw it out there for those. Um, you know, this is um, just keep this, this concern just keeps growing. It, it keeps becoming more and more of an issue. As time goes on, we saw this recently with Microsoft kind of pulling uh, the Minecraft Telltale game from the store as Telltale went away and the Minecraft license went up with that. We've seen this happen, I think, with one of Platinum Games' license games, whether it was Ninja Turtles or Transformers, one of those. Um, and we just keep seeing this happening where games kind of go away and disappear because license agreements expire and publishers don't renew them. Uh, oh, a big one was, of course, Alan Wake for a while there was removed from the storefront because um, some music licensing issues. And so I just think this is, you know, maybe not the biggest deal right now with DuckTales Remastered or any of these. But in general, I think this is going to become a growing problem if we don't do something to address it now. Uh, because these games, you know, they come out, they, they release on the, on the store, and you just think they're going to be there forever. Kind of like a physical game. But if you don't download within a certain amount of time, or maybe it's something you kind of discover five years after it came out and decide, wow, how did I miss this? I'd love to play this. Um, it's like you should have luck the second someone decides we're not renewing the license and just lets it fall off the storefront like that. Um, so I think this is just, as from a perspective of video game preservation, this is just a really bad situation to be in. Um, I, as someone who does download all their video games digitally, I've, I've gone entirely digital with all the media I consume. Um, this this just sucks because it's inevitably the way of the future is you know digital content. But how can like I don't I don't blame those people that are hanging on to physical media and still want to buy their games physically because how are we supposed to feel comfortable 
going into this all digital age where we still have these stupid hangups and these little issues like this game that you know developers spent years of their lives and and all of their creative effort building is just it's gone it's just one day it's, it disappears and it no longer is of relevance to the world and it's just lost to history uh, i mean that's a massive issue in my opinion and this needs to be rectified but uh, this is just another example of this kind of thing happening, and I think people just need to be increasingly aware of it because it just sucks for everyone, the consumer, the creative, and I mean, even the publisher who can no longer make money off of this thing because it's gone. I assume a lot of times these things happen. You know, the Telltale Minecraft one was a little bit of, a, of an exception, but I assume a lot of these a lot of the times these things happen and publishers let the uh, license expire and the game go away because they don't find, they don't, they can't, phys like, can't they can't financially justify allowing this game to continue to be up on the store because the cost of renewing the license is way more than the amount of revenue the game is generating. So this is why I really think someone needs to find uh, a solution to this. You know, we don't see things like, I don't know, we don't see this happen with movies. You don't see like a movie come out and then 20 years later, you can no longer buy this movie because it has a song in it that they don't have the licensing for anymore. It's just, it's goofy. It's a, you, this really shouldn't be a, a problem with video games and it needs to be addressed because we're losing valuable pieces of, of history, valuable works of creative art that are just being lost to time because people aren't renewing licenses and because these contracts are written up in such a way that don't favor the consumer, that don't favor the creative, the people that pour their lives work into making these these projects. Um, and it's just, again, it's just an all-around big loss for everyone, you know. DuckTales Remastered might not be the one that, you know, it's not the straw that breaks the camel's back. I'm, sh I'm sure you can still play the old NES version of it or uh, newly re-released on uh, the Disney Afternoon Collection. You can play it on Xbox One. Uh, but this remaster version that WayForward made, it's just, it's just, it's, it's just gone now. Um, and that's just really shitty for everyone. I do believe this was released in some physical form at one point. I feel like I've seen it on Wii U physically. Uh, but still, it's just making games less accessible to the consumer is never a good idea. And ultimately, you know, like I said, I don't blame the person who says I'm still buying all my games physically because, you know, if someone decides, you know, if someone decides they're no longer going to make copies of a game because it's old, you can always go on eBay or somewhere and find a used copy of this old game. But if a game is only available digitally and then one day someone decides we're no longer a lot like we're no longer renewing the license and this game is going to be removed from digital stores you're shit out of luck and the game's just gone forever and i can totally understand why someone would be hesitant to adopt an all digital future when they know things like that can happen at any minute because that's just it's bullshit and it's unfair to everyone so uh you know i'm sorry for the, the team at way Four that worked really hard on this game and are now going to have it kind of lost to history but you know this is this is the situation and this is something that needs to be addressed and I think it's important that we start having this conversation more and kind of talking about it because it's just not something that should happen and it's just really unfortunate for everyone involved. But now I'm talking myself in circles and I think it's time to move on to our next story. Halo's franchise development director, Frank O'Connor, recently spoke up about the console fidelity differences between Halo Infinite running on the original Xbox One and of course the Project Scarlet next generation Xbox hardware. Speaking with YouTuber Black Miss 523 O'Connor said, quote, Obviously, the special citizen for Halo Infinite will be the Scarlet, and we've worked really hard with the hardware team to make sure that the game shows up amazingly on it, but it will also be for the Xbox One, and it will look incredible, end quote. Uh, the Xbox Scarlet promises to be over four times as powerful as the Xbox One, meaning that the capability of the Scarlet um, will simply dwarf the that of the original Xbox One. It'll be interesting to see how the game runs on 2013's Xbox hardware compared to 2020's Xbox hardware. 
Uh, and it will be hard for gamers to not assume that either the Xbox One version will be significantly reduced in quality for at the at the sake of the Scarlet version, or that the Scarlet version will be greatly compensated um, the sake of older hardware. So with such a massive difference in power, it's difficult to imagine that the game will look and run pretty well on both platforms, or will look and run its best on both platforms. However, O'Connor did go on to say, quote, the Xbox One is not going to be a second-class citizen. We're building it so that it plays and looks fantastic on Xbox One. And then everything else is just plus, plus, plus. But we've got a few tricks up our sleeves that we're thinking about, end quote. And so what I take this as is O'Connor saying, don't think about the Xbox One versus Scarlet version as your kind of typical um, last gens is going to look a little worse graphically and run a little slower. And then this gens is going to look much better, but maybe not take full advantage of the hardware. It, it, we kind of think of those things in, in kind of historical senses where, you know, if something's being released on next gen, last gen hardware that on both platforms, it's not necessarily its best, or at the very least, the last gen version is significantly reduced and compromised. Uh, however, if I can look into this a little too, too much and, um, add my own two cents. I think what's happening here is O'Connor is kind of alluding to the fact that next generation, the advancements that come with next generation gaming are not your usual, like better graphics, better load times thing. It's, it's that it's this idea that there's almost no load times and that we're going to increase system Ram and do other things that I don't know about because I don't make console hardware, uh, to make games have more sophisticated and intelligent AI and just kind of do these back-end things that are going to make games look and play and be more dynamic in ways we've never really imagined as consumers. Uh, because I think, not to say that games can't start looking better and, and become graphically more impressive, they absolutely can. But I don't think next generation is a is your typical games look better than they did before. I think it's really about making... Um, engines and and gameplay mechanics be able to do more dynamic things that we've never quite seen before uh, so for example if i can contextualize this a little bit i i would put it like this perhaps halo infinite running on the xbox one let's assume halo infinite's like a big open world game right it's like it's like breath of the wild for halo uh we've seen games like witcher 3 run immaculately on xbox and i don't see why the xbox one couldn't handle whatever halo infinite's supposed to be let's let's assume it is like a big really intensive dynamic open world game right there's no reason why that can't work on xbox one right so that's what they're going to do is they're going to build that big impressive feat of a halo game for the xbox one it'll work fine but if you play on the scarlet yeah sure you'll the graphics will look a little prettier as you'd expect but the big differences are ai will be drastically improved and different in ways you've never seen in halo so when you play a game like halo 2 or 3 right the Marines that fight alongside you are horrible. They just, they, they shoot stuff, they don't kill anything, and most of the time you end up just killing them anyway so that you can take their ammo and, and progress through the game on your own. However, what if on the Scarlet, they're able to use that power to make AI so sophisticated and dynamic that playing alongside AI Marine are like playing with real players. You just can't tell the difference that much because it's just that advanced. Um, that won't be able to they won't be able to replicate something like that on the Xbox One version, but they can still make the Xbox One version a rock solid Halo game like they have with every Halo before it. So I again I think what O'Connor's kind of getting at, if I can look into this a little too much, is that we need to look at the advancements of next generation through a different lens. We need to stop assuming that everything is just a matter of new generation more power. It's more or like new generation better graphics. It's more of new generation new ways to innovate our concept, our understanding of 
what gameplay mechanics can be, how dynamic AI can be, uh, how fast load times can be, just in the sense that, you know, if you're building an open world, wouldn't it be cool if it just never loaded ever? Um, and, you know, Sony showed that off a little bit ago when they were talking about the PS5, and they showed a behind-the-scenes, the like, demo of Spider-Man PS4 running on the PS5, and there were just no load times at all. And I think those kinds of innovations are something, you know, you might see on the Scarlet version, whereas the Xbox One version has traditional load times. They're not slow and sluggish and miserable uh, by, you know, modern console standards, but it has load times like any other big game does, whereas the Scarlet version maybe doesn't. So just keep in mind, you know, it could be these differences that don't make or break the experience by, you know, our, our modern current understanding of what a gaming experience can be. Um, but maybe the Scarlet version includes these next generation evolutionary mechanics or technological advancements that will eventually propel and, and evolve our understanding and thinking of what game technology can be. Um, so I don't expect Halo Infinite to like look and run like shit. Um, on the Xbox One, like 2013's version of the Xbox One, but I assume that there are some next-generation technological advances, advancements that will not be present in the Xbox One version that will be present in the Scarlet version. So, you know, just like like I said, matter of different perspective and, and kind of looking at things a little different. I guess we'll know when we when we really see and compare the differences between the platforms next fall when Halo Infinite comes out. And our wrap-up story for the day is something of like a promising headline, but not too much uh, of an interesting story. And that is that um, Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony are working on new policies uh, for loot box prob probability. Uh, so this article I pulled from IGN, so I'm just going to kind of read verbatim uh, the article a little bit. Um, so the Entertainment Software Association, the ESA, has announced that Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony are working on a new loot box policy for their platforms that would disclose a range of odds for a player's purchase. ESA Chief Counsel in uh, Tech Policy, Michael Warneck, shared details Wednesday morning at the Federal Trade Commission's inside the game workshop surrounding loot boxes. Warneck explained that what has been done prior to the address prior to address loot box issues and followed with the announcement of a new probability system with Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo. So he says, quote, That said, we are doing more. I am pleased to announce this morning that Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony have indicated to ESA uh, a, a commitment to new platform policies with respect to the use of paid loot boxes in games that uh, are developed for their platform. Uh, specifically, this would apply to new games and game updates to add loot box features. And it would require a disclosure of the relatively rare uh, probability of obtaining randomized virtual items in games that are available on their platforms. As he goes on to say later on, um, as well, many... Many of the leading video game publishers of Entertainment Software Association have decided that they are going to implement a similar approach at the publisher level to provide consumers uh, with this information and give them enhanced info uh, to make purchasing decisions. So I read this more as a um, damage protection kind of save the publisher's asses kind of policy and less of a inform the public and the consumer um, kind of policy and what I mean by that is that essentially what they're saying here is perhaps Microsoft will will and Nintendo and Sony will come to an agreement where you know for example Crash Team Racing a game that didn't release with microtransactions and loot boxes is now retroactively getting something like that and so maybe kind of having an update and having Microsoft Sony and Nintendo agree to say 
if you're going to update and add this feature into the game, you've got to put a disclaimer uh, to the gamer, to the player, to let them know that, hey, yeah, there are loot boxes and microtransactions, but the probability of you actually receiving something good from this is quite low. So, you know, play at your own risk, purchase at your own risk, gamble at your own risk, that sort of thing. But it doesn't actually fundamentally change anything about loot boxes. Again, it's just like, it's literally just a pop-up notification. It's a, it's a warning to the player. So it's kind of a way of saying, hey, don't come after us if you get ripped off by this game. You know, you, you should know full well going into this that this is your money. You don't have a big probability of winning. And if and if you feel like you sunk a bunch of time and money into this shit, that's your own problem. Um, I don't really have much of a problem with loot boxes in general. Um, they don't bother me because I simply don't buy them. Uh, and I don't if a game I feel like has an unfair loot box system where it's a, a pay to win type deal. I don't play that game. Um, so, for example, you know, Halo 5 has rec packs and I've never purchased a real rec pack. I've played. I've played well over 100 hours of Halo 5, and I've never spent real-life money on a rec pack ever. And I've unlocked so many things in rec packs because I don't care about spending real-life money on that stuff. I know it's all cosmetic and, like, temporary stuff that you can use in Firefight, and I feel like the game does a great job of giving you plenty of opportunities to get that stuff for free anyway. So, to me, again, loot boxes and in-app purchases and things like that just don't matter to me because I don't partake in it. But I do know that a lot of consumers really passionately hate loot boxes and want them to go away and again this is just an example of like the only way it's ever going to go away is if we just stop supporting with our wallets and I, I assume that the people that hate them aren't the people that are buying them and the people that are buying them are a small minority who are sinking tons and tons of money into this stuff and and that's what's keeping it afloat but i don't know it's just this i don't see this as microsoft sony nintendo coming together and saying we really care about your fervent passion in hatred for um, loot boxes. I see this more as them saying, you know, how can we protect our own asses so that parents don't get mad when their kid spends money in the game or um, someone can't come after us and say and sue us and say uh, that loot boxes, you know, preyed on our gambling addiction. You know, uh, this is a way of taking the responsibility off our shoulders and saying, hey, you should know this going into it. But uh, feel free to go spend your fucking money. Who cares? Um, so maybe a little bit of a cynical take, but I think people should take some more personal responsibility. If you don't like loot boxes, don't buy them. If you have a problem with, with uh, gambling, maybe don't play games that have gambling mechanics or loot box mechanics. Um, I don't think they should be outlawed or illegal, but uh, I don't know. It's just it's kind of a crazy argument to me. I, I don't get it. I feel like I'm so out of the loop with this one where people are just so passionate about their hatred for it, but also like you don't, you don't have to give into it, so it's not. There are very few games where the inclusion of in-app purchases and loot boxes actually affect the gameplay. Um, so, aside from those few cases where I agree, it's worth getting upset over. I just don't understand why we don't just drown out the conversation by not having it. Uh, but then again, in that regard, I guess I'm kind of part of the problem by having a conversation about it right here and right now. Uh, so that's going to do it for the news this week. Not a terribly long news week, but I think some decent stories. And then let's get into uh, the games releasing this week. Um, so this week on Xbox, there are a total of nine new games coming out. And we'll just go over them real quick. Uh, I will say this week, it seems like there's a lot of like bigger 3D adventure games coming out. Whereas I feel like most weeks, we just see a bunch of like 2D uh, bit style kind of cool retro wannabe games. Uh, so some genuinely uh, interesting looking stuff coming out this week. That being said, let's uh, poorly misinterpret what these games are by 
judging them solely based off a singular screenshot. So our first game is Age of Wonders uh, Planetfall, which releases back uh, August 8th, uh, August 6th, so it's already out. And it is Xbox One X enhanced, so you know it will feature 4K, uh, uh, 4K visuals of nude men. Uh, and this looks like some kind of... Um, uh, strategy game and it's in 3d and they're like these creature monster things and robot mech warriors it's definitely some kind of strategy game um, so i'm going to recommend you play halo wars and skip age of wonders our second game today is called metal wolf chaos xd or maybe it's not called xd maybe it's that like old thing people used to do before emojis where they put like xd to, like show someone laughing their ass off maybe it's like metal wolf chaos laughing my ass off or maybe it's just metal wolf chaos xd i don't know Again, same deal, August 6th, Xbox One X Enhanced, and this game you play as a mech robot and you shoot down planes and there's a lot of fire. Um, I think this game is a little insensitive to the Iraq War since, you know, that was a war that was fought almost entirely by um, Gundams and to just kind of prey on, you know, the, the post-traumatic stress that those soldiers endured and kind of the the social divide that caused in the United States back in that time. And then to kind of use that to make a game and a for-profit video game, I think is really insensitive. So I don't really want to give this game the time of day, uh, because I don't support, you know, um, that, that disrespect for our, 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 um, uh, our country. Uh, the next game is called animus standalone. Now this game looks like a combination of the Witcher three meets fable. Uh, you fight this giant, like Spyro, the dragon looking character. Um, but you play as, uh, Gerald, Gerald, whatever from Witcher 3, I'm pretty sure because this looks almost exactly like him. And if not, I would sue this developer for, for copyright infringement. Um, so when can you play this game that I'm not telling you much about? Well, uh, you can play it on August 7th, which is yesterday. It is an Xbox Play Anywhere title, so I definitely recommend playing it on PC because this game looks like it's for losers uh, and the PC is for losers. So definitely play that on PC. Our next game is called Sagebrush, and this game actually looks really, really awesome. So the screenshot kind of looks Minecrafty in terms of like a blocky art style, uh, and it just shows like this like farmhouse and like this land, this vast landscape with a mountainous range in the in the background. Uh, and this game came out yesterday, which means it's old news, and I should stop talking about it. Uh, our next game is um, the the Forbidden Arts. Um, and it shows a picture of a boy fighting a, a, there's a lot of humans versus monsters in this week's games. That's kind of the recurring theme here. And this boy is dressed up as a cross between like a Tales of Symphonia character and a child dressing up in like underwear as a superhero. Uh, and he is fighting this wolf monster in a dungeon. Um, but however, it is called Forbidden Hearts, which I think is a Harry Potter term. So I think in this game, you're going to be learning a lot of spells like a Wingardium Leviosa. And this kid has two daggers. So likely he's uh, he's he's matured from the wand phase and can now cast spells with his daggers. So he's probably responsible for this wolf man turning into a wolf. Um, and so I doubt they're actually about to fight. I think the kid's actually antagonizing the, the wolf man. So... If you see this wolf man, please feel free to kill this kid who's um who's definitely egging him on. That's just so unfair that this man had to lose his life and become a wolf uh, at the sake of this of this wizard um, that we'll call Harry. Um, but that game is out now. If you really want to play it, like I said, um, you're gonna want to play that on Xbox One because it's gonna have the best graphics available. But the next game is called Must Must Dash Amigos, and this looks like a a cross between Viva Pinata and like the weird like creature people thing from mario sunshine from the delfino plaza you got a bunch of these pinatas 
Um, but the thing is, the game came out yesterday on August seventh, so you shouldn't even be listening to the show. You should be you should be playing this game right now. Um, but they're all on an island and they're having a big party. So I think what this game is really about is about like weird creatures and pinatas kind of coming together and realize that they're they're all one in the same and that they should have island parties together. Uh, however, one really interesting thing is that there is a couple signs in the background that have arrows pointing left and arrows pointing right. Um, so I think that is alluding to is that this game offers a lot of a lot of misdirection. Uh, it'll it'll always you'll always be thinking you're going one way, but you're really going the other, uh, which I think also ties in nicely with the pinatas versus um, monster creatures idea. That you know who's to say that a monster and a pinata aren't one and the same? Because even though they might look different on the outside, at the end of the day, they're both they're both stuffed with candy. Uh, our next game, as we wrap this up, is called Damsel. It is the only two D looking game. Uh, however, it's not in an eight bit art style. Uh, this also came out August 7th, uh, confirming my notion that all games will release on August 7th. And I'm not going to give any more attention to that because I hate 2D. I'm a, I'm a 3D guy. Our next game is called Subdivision Infinity DC, which is releasing today, August 8th. Finally, a modern game. Modern game for a modern man. This is a space shooter, a 3D space shooter, and I might have to actually play this. The description reads, An immersive and pulse-pounding sci-fi space shooter featuring stunning graphics and tight spaceship gameplay. Uh, hunt down and destroy enemy spacecraft, crush capital ships, mine asteroids for rare minerals, and find blueprints to crazy, amazing new vessels. If I had more time to play shit, I would totally play this because it looks really cool. The ship in the picture looks really cool, and he's blowing up an asteroid, and he's in space, and it's Xbox One X enhanced, so it probably looks real good on the Xbox One X that I don't own. Uh, our last game of the week is called Roar Jurassic Edition. This game looks adorable as hell. Uh, the, the screenshot fo- shows four player split screen um and kind of looks like a nintendo ds game but you play as like these crazy dinosaurs one of them has a has a uh, as a mohawk one of them has like a dapper outfit one of them is just like a classic t-rex and i guess you just go around and fight maybe it's a fighter but this game looks fucking awesome and i'm actually not even being sarcastic about that that just looks fun uh however it comes out tomorrow august 9th so that makes this a future game. Uh, so if you live in the future, I highly recommend you play this game. Uh, if you live in the present, though, you probably can't play this game. So stop talking about it, right? Um, and that's going to do it for this week's games. Just a refresher for the current um, Games with Gold lineup for the month of August. Uh, so all month long, you can download Gears of War 4 in preparation for Gears 5. So I highly recommend that. That ends August 31st. Um, starting in mid-August on the 16th, running through the middle of September on the 15th, you can download Forza Motorsport 6. Again, if you've never played a Forza game, this is a great way to jump in and try one. Uh, the Motorsport series is definitely more for like nerdy car fans. It's a little more kind of uh, a simulator and less of like an arcade racer like the Forza Horizon series, but you never know. You might like it. I These games are just highly detailed and really fun to play, and I, I, I think you owe it to yourself to at least try it. Uh, and then, of course, for the first half of August on the Xbox 360 front, you got Torchlight. Again, I don't know what that game is, so I'm not going to tell you anything about it. And then for the second half of August from the 16th to 31st, you've got Castlevania. Um, it is Castlevania Lords of Shadow, um, which I also have never played, but, you know, play it if you like Castlevania games. Um, so that's it for Games of Gold. And then we'll round out the show by just talking about my Game Pass spotlight slash what I've been playing. Again, this week, I'm not playing a Game Pass game. I actually downloaded Wolfenstein Youngblood, uh, which has been getting a lot of shit on the internet. <laughs> and perhaps rightfully so. I, I've only gotten to play about two hours of the game, so not nearly as far along as I'd like to be. I've just been swamped with work and other things lately. Uh, but Wolfenstein Youngblood, um, I will say this. you know, People are just saying this game's absolute ass. 
I'm again, I'm only about an hour and a half, two hours in, but so take this with a grain of salt. I have a lot more experience in seeing the game, but I don't think it's nearly as bad as people are saying. I will say the characters are insufferable. The two female characters are absolutely insufferable. They um, kind of remind me of Life is Strange just a little bit. If you can recall that kind of campy, awful, cringy writing of like teenage girls that just say stupid shit and that definitely aren't indicative of how like teenagers actually talk in the real world. They just say the stupidest shit all the time and they're impossibly insufferable to listen to because the writers of this game clearly had no fucking idea how to write these two characters. And so instead of left being left with two really interesting daughters of BJ Blazkowicz, you're left with these two insufferably obnoxious women uh, that I recommend turning off the audio of the game in order to enjoy because they're not interesting, which is quite a fucking shame because, you know, Anna, who is um, uh, who is BJ's uh, wife slash love interest in this series, is really quite interesting. So it's like, if you want to see an example of how to make an interesting, compelling female character in the Wolfenstein series, look at her. But don't look at these these two, uh, BJ's two daughters. I don't remember their names. I think one of them is Jessie, which I only remember because that's my name. And then the other one is something else, and I don't care. Uh, but they are awful characters, and I totally agree with that sentiment that they kind of ruin the game. However, if you're going to judge the game from a gameplay perspective, I think it's really fun. I think the gunplay feels as good, if not a little better, than previous Wolfenstein games. And I'm having a blast just shooting stuff up and playing through the game. Uh, I will agree that the open-worldy kind of like hub-world stuff is a little unnecessary. Uh, but it doesn't bother me as much as I think most other people seem to be bothered by it. I generally tend to be the kind of person who doesn't mind hub-worlds that much. Um, see my opinions on Sonic Unleashed for more information on that. But, you know, in general, I just, I don't take too much issue with the gameplay itself. I will say if there's something on the gameplay front I'm going to judge, it is the kind of RPG level up mechanics of it all, where like you'll just walk into a random area and then you'll come across an enemy with like seven health bars who's way tougher than you for no fucking reason. And you got to like customize your character and level up and use your skill points to kind of become powerful enough to take on these enemies. I find that completely arbitrary and useless and unnecessary for a game like this, and I wish they hadn't included it. However, it's not really too much affecting my enjoyment of just shooting stuff in a Wolfenstein game. Um, and then I'll also say the game looks fucking stunning. The environments and the gun models and the characters and everything look really, really good. This game looks fantastic, uh, which should come as no surprise at this point, as all the Wolfenstein games have looked really great. Um, but yeah, I mean, just... If you enjoy the Wolfenstein games, I think you still owe it to yourself to play this game. It's not bad at all, uh, but it's not good. It's definitely the weakest of all the Wolfenstein games we've seen from this new like machine games era of Wolfenstein. Uh, the co-op stuff is no fun. I should have mentioned that as well. It's the only other gameplay element that I really dislike. The co-op stuff is so unnecessary. I just want to play the game alone. Uh, and the game, I feel like, is really constantly punishing me for not playing with a friend. The kind of revive your partner system, you share three lives thing, really fucking annoying. Um, and my teammate is constantly dying and going down and I'm playing on normal mode. So that really shouldn't be as big of a problem as it is, but I promise you it is. This game is challenging as hell. Uh, and the co-op, like the forced co-op kind of AI thing doesn't make it any, any more manageable to play. Uh, so I will say, yeah, the RPG-esque mechanics and the forced co-op, I hate it. But the moment-to-moment gunplay feels great. Um, and I think the story might have some kind of interesting twist. Again, I'm still kind of early. I'm not getting too far into what the story's about. Um, but it seems interesting, and I'm enjoying the ride so far. So I plan on seeing it through to the end. I don't 
things so far that I, I find it to be nearly as insufferable as some fans do. Uh, but I definitely see why people are disappointed and will kind of echo that sentiment that uh, it could have been more, it could have been better. But keep in mind that this is kind of a spin-off testing experimental project, and it was heavily developed by Arcane Studios, the team behind Dishonored. So it's not just a Machine Games-made uh, game. So that could be a large factor in why it's so different, aside from the fact that I think they were clearly trying to be a little experimental with this game. But um, that's Wolfenstein Youngblood, and that's what I've been playing this week. And that is our show. So thank you so much for listening, as always, uh, through the end, if you made it this far. I know you probably probably just cut off when I start talking about games coming out this week or or what, or as soon as I open my mouth. I don't know when. But if you listen this far, I really, really do appreciate your support. Um, I'm still kind of astounded that anyone is even listening to the show. Um, it's not growing dramatically week over week, but it is getting a steady listenership, which is just more than I could ever ask for. So I'm really happy with how this podcast has been doing. Uh, however, it is my ultimate goal and, and, and hope that I can or we can grow this show to a point where, you know, one day I have people commenting regularly on the show and that we can start incorporating a lot of audience feedback. Uh, because I think the thing that makes any podcast really great is when you have the two way conversation. I don't necessarily love the idea of just talking into a microphone every week and seeing numbers that tell me people are listening, but not really having people talking to me to let me know they're listening. So I mean, if you are listening right now and would like to share feedback on anything or would like to ask questions or submit feedback, uh, not not just for reviews to help grow the show, while I greatly appreciate that if you would review the show on iTunes, what I really want to see more than anything is just audience engagement. So if you have questions or would like to interact or be a part of the show in any way, please feel free to comment and leave questions and comments. Um, I would love to read that show that, that stuff on the show and and work this podcast to a point where one day, it's just as much audience interaction through questions and comments as it is um, me reading the news and sharing my thoughts and opinions. So um, thanks as always for listening. Uh, be sure to subscribe or share, write a review, whatever you want to do. If, if, if you can, it helps a lot. Uh, and then follow me on Instagram at uh, President of the United States. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.